0: Amen. With lifted hands, we can give him all of who we are. As we continue on our journey, I want us to look today as we talked a little bit last week about Jesus being the high priest. uh, I want us to talk about our high priest and to, to break that down where we can understand it more because we do have a little bit of disconnect from some of the understanding of what scripture would mean because we didn't live then. And God was writing through the scriptures to those at that time as they were telling this and living it, but it has so much application to us today and we need to understand about this high priest because that's part of who Jesus is. If we want to understand Jesus, then we need to understand the priest. We need to understand the high priest. And what I want us to pull from today's scripture is that because of the work that Jesus Christ did, he is a greater high priest than any that lived before him. And because of that, we have confidence when speaking to the Father. If we are a born-again believer, we have the assurance of being able to speak directly to the Father because our sins, which separated us from God, were forgiven the moment that blood fell and we called on Jesus to be our saving grace. Amen? It was only through the blood of the cross that redemption could be made for all mankind that would receive it and for all of eternity it was the perfect the most holy, life-giving event in history. If you would take your Bibles this morning and open them to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to be looking at just a few verses. If you would, once you've turned to 4, roll your finger down to verse 14. And once you've turned there, if you would stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Father God, I do pray, Lord, that you would help us, Father, to hear from you. That, Father, you would allow us to hear Holy Spirit as Holy Spirit reveals in our hearts your word. Because, Father, without you helping us, we will never understand it. And, Lord, I just pray now that you would speak through me, your servant. And, Father God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Maybe may be seated. The first thing I want us to look at is that we have a great high priest. The scripture did not tell us that we just had a high priest. But we have a great high priest. We have the greatest high priest that there ever was. We look there at verse 14. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confessions. It doesn't just say that we have a great high priest. It tells us exactly who that great high priest is. And it is Jesus, the Son of God. It was God incarnate, the Son of God coming to heaven, putting on flesh and clothing over his glory because we could not stand to look upon the greatness and the glory of Jesus Christ. He clothed over it with flesh to become like us and he came to earth to live a life so that he could be our high priest. If you look there, it begins with the word therefore referring back up. Let's begin in verse 11 and read what it's there for. Verse 11 says, therefore, let us be diligent to enter the rest. How many of you by a show of hands won't rest in your life? Amen. I believe we all do. There's a lot going on in life and we need rest. And for the unbeliever, there is no rest. They are separated from God. I believe that they will spend all of eternity in a torment of unrest in hell. But I believe they live a life here on earth of unrest because they're trying to fill something that can only be filled with the blood of Jesus Christ in their life. So it tells us, therefore, to be diligent to enter rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from him, his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him whom we have to do. God is living. Jesus is living. His word penetrates into the heart and it separates down into the the quick, we may say, and beyond that, it is so sharp, it knows. And that separation that it does divides the evil from the good. And we can lay hold of this rest through Jesus because he is our great high Priest. And we understand that a a great high priest, why not just high priest? Well, there have been other high priests throughout history. Moses was probably one of the first ones that we could put into this position as a high priest was a intermediary between man and God. You see, God was holy. Man is sinful. There could not be a direct connection. But God chose people throughout history to be an intermediary to go between man and God and to bring God's word to man and to offer sacrifice and repentance for man up to God. Not just Moses, but it went beyond there into the actual order of the priesthood through Aaron and the Levitical priest. Jesus is greater than Aaron and the Levitical priest. Aaron stood in the gap. He was given specific instructions about how to offer these sacrifices. He would go in and he would offer sacrifice for the people because without the sacrifice of the lamb in the Old Testament, there would be no communication between God and man. There would be total separation. Church, that's significant. We in America, or us as believers, have communication with God. Can you imagine the state of our world today with God being in it how it is now? Imagine if there was no connection to God in this world at all, what shape we would be in. I can't even fathom what hell on earth would look like. But our high priest made us able to be connected with the Father and to have that rest and to have that peace that we so dearly enjoy, but I think so often take for granted. Not only is he greater than the high priest who had lived, but our high priest is, as it tells us there in the scripture, passed through the heavens. What does it mean it passed through the heavens? He's no longer here on earth. He's gone up to be with his father. He's at the right hand, interceding directly to the father on behalf of you and I. What do we mean by passing through the heavens? Well, Hebrews, when they would write the word heaven, it was always in a plural sense, the heavens. And we understand that heaven, as we look at it today, is a place where God resides, but there is also the heaven of the air around us, our atmosphere. There is a word for heaven that depicts outer space, And then there is the heaven where Jesus resides. What am I talking about? Let's look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2. Even this scripture talks about it. It says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows Such a man was caught up into the third heaven. Throughout scriptures, it talks about these other heavens, the air around us, the outer space, the significance of the heaven where Jesus is now with his father. Jesus has passed through all the heavens because when he died on that cross and he went into that tomb, he didn't stay there. Man, he come out of that tomb on the third day and he arose and he met with over 500. He met back with his disciples. He even took Peter and restored him back to ministry and to encourage him. And at that time, after that, he come up onto the mountain and he called him there and he ascended. He left heaven. You see, he is a greater high priest than those before him because he is still living today. He is a greater high priest because he was perfect. He is a greater high priest because he is sitting at the right hand of God at this very moment, and this church makes Jesus the great high priest. He's better than any earthly, and our confessions, what do we hold fast to our confessions our public declaration of who Jesus Christ is the moment we come to Christ we make a exception of an exception of Christ's invitation to us and you always hear about making a public declaration before man of who what you have done and who has come into your heart hold strong to that because the one that you have confessed to believe in is the great high priest Secondly, we also have an understanding high priest. I am so glad that our high priest is an understanding high priest. Church, this means a lot for us because if he wasn't understanding, had he not come to earth and become like one of us? Had he not been tempted And not sinned, it wouldn't be the same. Look there at verse 15 of Hebrews 4. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Jesus understands because he became one of us so that he could. What are some of the things that he understands? He understands our frailty. He understands that in our life, our life is decaying. He understands that one day we're going to come to a point of death when this body just gives out. For some, it's younger. For some, it's later in life. But he also understands the temptations that are out there. He understands how, as human nature, Satan comes and tempts us in things that we can do and how easy it is to fall into those temptations because he was tempted. He understands our struggle. You know, Jesus, for a while, he had to make a living. He worked with his father, he grew up as a boy. It tells us there that he was tempted in all things. Now, I've talked to some people in my life, and they don't fully agree with this verse. Oh, Jesus couldn't have been tempted in all things. Jesus was tempted in all areas of temptation. You know, that doesn't mean when it says he's tempted in all things that Jesus had every single temptation we do. You know, Satan tempts people. And things that are in their capability. Have any of you ever in here been tempted to take a stone and turn it into bread? No, we can't do that. It would do Satan no good. Now, you might have been tempted to steal a loaf of bread, but we've never been tempted to take a stone and turn it into bread. You know, just like I don't believe that Jesus was tempted to drink and get drunk and get behind the wheel of a car and drive. Now, he might have been tempted to get drunk and get on a camel and drive, but he's never been tempted to get on a car. He didn't have it. You know, Jesus was not tempted to go off on his own and get away from mom and daddy and pull out that little iPhone or get on that computer and look up and look at pornography. It wasn't there. But yet Jesus has, church, the Bible tells us, tempted in all ways. And that was done through the categories. He was tempted in all things. What do we talk about? Let's look at 1 John so we can get a good picture of this. We talked about it a little bit last week. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all, for all that is in the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, And the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. There's the three categories. Any sin you can think of will fall under one of those three categories. When Jesus was baptized, we talked last week, come up out of the water and was led out into the wilderness for those 40 days. He was tempted in these three areas. Jesus has been tempted with the lust of the eye. Jesus has been tempted with the lust of the flesh and with pride of life. Jesus has been tempted in these areas and in others. So beware. Satan tempts where you're weak. Jesus knows this. But why is Jesus our great high priest Look at the end of verse 15. Yet without sin. He was tempted in all areas, all categories, and yet he did not sin. That makes him a a great high priest. You know, the high priest before him, before they'd go into the holy holies, they'd have to offer a sacrifice for their self. They had to be made right before they could even go into the Holy of Holies to offer a sacrifice. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did not. He was perfect. He was greater than they were. And also we have confidence through our high priest. This is one that I believe I struggle a little bit sometimes with understanding until we really stop and look at what it was to go before a king what it would be to enter into a throne. Verse 16 says, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. When they built the tabernacle, when they built the temple inside of those were the Holy of Holies. The tabernacle was the tent that traveled around. The temple was the holy permanent place of worship. And inside was the Holy of Holies. And these priests, when they would go in, the high priest could only go in once a year. And he had to be right. He had to do it right. God had set up all of these guidelines of exactly what had to happen. Matter of fact, if you look in Leviticus 16, you'll find about 34 verses in that one chapter that specify and spell out exactly what the high priest had to do. And if he did not do it and he entered the Holy of Holies, it would be over for him in an instant. He would die right there. We read in Scripture where they would tie a rope around him because if the priest was to go in and he didn't follow precisely right and he was to die in the Holy of Holies, couldn't anyone else go in to pull him out? So they'd put a a rope around him so that they could pull him out because no one could enter the Holy of Holies but the high priest and only if he did it properly. You know, when we go to God in prayer, church... We're entering into the Holy of Holies. We're entering into that throne room of grace. And we have confidence through our high priest who is there by him that through him we may enter in and not be worried about being zapped dead. Not being worried about all these long list of things. One thing, except Jesus Christ, the high priest, who is now our mediator, who is there beside the father but it tells us that we can have that confidence to go before the throne well they understood this so much better than us because they had kings who sit on a throne and you couldn't just on any whim and at any moment that you wanted to walk into the throne room when the king decides that he's going to sit on the throne king back then didn't sit on the throne all the time But there would be times that he would sit there, and if you were summoned, then you were allowed to come before him. But you did not enter the throne room uncalled for, or he would have the right to have you killed. Let's look over at a a book titled, After a Woman in the Old Testament, the book of Esther. Turn to Esther chapter 4 and verse 11, and we'll get a little better depiction of what I'm talking about. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king, to the inner court who is not summonsed, he has but one law, that he be put to death unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I, Esther speaking, have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. You remember Mordecai was communicating with Esther and their people were fixing to be killed and Mordecai was going to be hung and he was telling her, you've got to go, Esther, before the king. You've got to go as queen and plead for us. And Esther sent back, oh, you know I can't do that. It could be my life if I do that. But she knew that she had to stand in the gap. And she went before the king and as the story reads that he held out the scepter and he listened to her and she asked him to a banquet. And after several banquets, she stepped in and confessed that there was a need for her people we go before the throne of grace every time we kneel and go to the Lord in prayer. And we can go with confidence, knowing as believers, number one, that we've been invited. God says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come unto me, those with burdens. Bring to me your intercessions and your prayers. And this is because our high priest is there Speaking to him, we can come with confidence. We can receive mercy and find grace and help of time's need. What about Jesus' death? That brings the confidence. Matthew 27, it reads, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yelled up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Our confidence comes from the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and us receiving what happened. At that moment, when the temple was built, the tabernacle was built, God gave them specific instructions, and there was to be a veil, a curtain, between the holy place and the holy of holies. No one... Was allowed into the Holy of Holies, but the high priest. The moment Jesus died on the cross, this veil was ripped in two. Several important things here. Number one, it was not ripped in two from bottom to top. No man went and grabbed this veil and ripped it, it was ripped from top to bottom. The veil was no longer hiding the holy of holies. When Christ died on the cross, church, he opened it to us to be able to come directly to the throne of grace and communicate with our Father directly. In studying this, and you can go through and find all of your dimensions and talked about how thick it would be and how tall it would be. They say that this curtain was roughly 45 to 60 feet tall and four inches thick. Can any of you take four inches of fabric and rip it 60 feet? I can't. I don't even know that we could get the, what was it, the power team in here to do that. Our God ripped that veil from top to bottom saying, I am open to all who will receive me. Exodus 26 gives us a a depiction again of this um, curtain. It says, You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. It shall be made with cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. You shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, their hooks also being of gold, on four sockets of silver you shall hang up the veil under the clasp and shall bring in the ark of the testimonies there within the veil. And the veil shall serve as a partition, a separation between the holy place and the holy of holies. The ark of the covenant was brought in there and those cherubims spent up there. We call it the mercy seat where that priest would go to offer that sacrifice. And Jesus' death on the cross was that ultimate sacrifice and it being ripped. We no longer have a separation from God. We no longer need a human to be our intermediary. Amen. I thought about doing a little illustration or skit this morning, but I'll just tell you what it was going to be. You've probably seen it before. If I was to have someone stand over here and I was to come and tell them, something and have them tell the other person, whisper it to them, and then them tell you, you're probably not going to get the exact same thing that I said, but if I come and stood directly before you and said it, you would hear it plain and clear. We don't need a human, fallible, sinful human to be our intermediary any longer between us and God because the ultimate sacrifice happened through Jesus' death on the cross. That's our high priest, church. That's what we celebrate on Easter is his resurrection and all that is encompassed with that, his death and who he is It's going to be an exciting time as we take all of these things together and we learn about who Jesus is and what he's done for us and the confidence, and he's the greatest high priest that there was. And he loves us, and he calls us mere sinners as we were while we were nailing him to the cross. He said, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, why he was even being nailed and hanging on that cross as a public disgrace. His prayer was not about him. It was about the people. You remember, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That's our high priest. And we have that confidence You see, because of the work of Jesus, he is a great high priest. He's better than those who come before him, and he brings us confidence. I am so excited that I can go to the Father and not have to worry about dying because maybe it wasn't the time God wanted me to come before him. Maybe I wasn't just right because for me to go to the Father, I have to go to the Father to be forgiven of my sins. In Old Testament time, if they entered into the Holy of Holies with sin, they would die. We wouldn't be able to get there, church. But because of what our high priest is and what our high priest did, we can go to the Father. May you bow your heads.